whether you're contending for a national title or just trying to make a bowl game, every team in college football has that three-game stretch that can kind of determine the season. I'm going to talk about Colorado's on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Bus. I am your host, Kevin Borba, and today we got a good episode. We're talking about the toughest three-game stretch uh, for Colorado this upcoming season. Mel Tucker, Midnight Mel, as some of you have referred to him, was ci- was cited at the Denver Nuggets games, and I just feel like we needed to talk about that. And then I'm going to give you a little transfer portal update. Um, who's coming in, who might be coming in or not coming in. We'll talk about that once we get there. But before we do, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Bus your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. So make sure to check us out um, or share us if you'd like to. Um, let's dive right in to the three toughest games. So over on my other site where I cover Stanford, um, my fan nation site, I came up with the idea to look through every college or every Pac-12 teams, not every college football team. That'd be kind of insane. 136 or whatever it is. Uh, I looked through every Pac-12 team's schedule and kind of broke down the three toughest games where whether it's going to be that determines whether or not they can make it to the Pac-12 championship, that determines whether or not they can get off to a hard, hot start, or that determines if they can make a bowl game or not. And so when looking at Colorado's, there was a couple, there was two really stretches that I thought could have been the stretches. And I'm going to pull up their schedule right now so that way I could um, properly diagnose it with you guys. Um, because my final answer was, and I think and I'll explain it later, is one through three, weeks one through three. Uh, the other week that, or other three weeks that kind of stood out to me were four through five, um, or four through five, four through six, excuse me, which weeks one through three, they open up at TCU in Fort Worth. Um, then they come home for their first home game under Coach Prime uh, against Nebraska. And then they have another home game against Colorado State in-state rival, Um that's the one I picked. And then the other one that I considered was at Oregon against USC at home and then at Arizona State. And the reason I went with the first three is just for the sake of, I guess, the amount of attention they'll be getting. So there's going to be more pressure, I think. Um, regardless of what happens during the first three, I don't know if the next three will have nearly as much pressure. Um, because when you look at Colorado right now, they're one of the they're, they're one of the most trending programs in the country, and rightfully so. Coach Prime is doing a great job in rebuilding the roster. He's doing a great job and bringing attention to the program. Um, but I still think that that first matchup against TCU is going to be it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, I checked FanDuel this morning to see what their odds were, and Colorado are 23.5-point underdogs against the Horned Frogs, who are replacing their quarterback, their two running backs, their three receivers, um, a couple offensive linemen, and they're two leading uh, pass rushers as well. And so clearly the the odds makers are seeing something over there in Fort Worth that, that makes them so confident that they're going to blow out the buffs. Um, but I think these games will be tough in the sense that everyone's going to be watching. Um, that week, t- week one, September week, there's a few good games, but there's not many. Um, I would say the only other good quote-unquote marquee must-watch game would be florida at utah and even then florida's quarter quarterback situation isn't 
isn't anything special. So I don't know how good they're going to be. Um, and so I don't think there's that many other good games. LSU, Florida State would be a good game as well, but that's a neutral site. So that's not going to have like the college game day on it. <clears throat> excuse me. And so Nebraska, or excuse me, TCU and Colorado, that game's going to have all the attention of college football. I think that game will probably break. If I had to make a bold prediction right now, I'd probably say that game would break some records in terms of who's going to be watching, in terms of numbers, uh, just overall viewership, because. That game's probably going to be on a primetime prime time slot. Um, everybody's going to be watching to see how well the Buffs do. Um, everyone wants to see how well Coach Prime and Colorado are going to do in this new era with all the transfers. And so I think that, for one, is the reason. Then you go to Week 2, Nebraska. That's a rivalry game. Um, I didn't realize how intense that rivalry was until the Matt Rule stuff started to happen um, where he was kind of – Nebraska fans have been refuting it, but I think it it was fairly obvious who he was talking about. Have been kind of shading Coach Prime and Colorado's transfer methods. Um, I, that's their first home game. That game, I would imagine, which I don't. I, it'll be interesting because from what I read about the last time they played at at Folsom Field, there was a lot of Nebraska fans. Also, obviously, a lot of Colorado fans. But Nebraska fans made their presence known at Folsom Field. So will it be like a half-and-half type of situation, or is Colorado going to show up and show out and make sure that no Nebraska fans get any tickets? Either way, that Nebraska game is kind of it's a rivalry for sure, but there's a little extra added stakes because I feel like there's been some some shots fired this offseason. I think that's going to be the difference. And so that's going to be a tough game, um, depending on what happens at the TCU game. Say they win, they're riding high. Um, they want to beat Nebraska. Say they lose, they're trying to bounce back, get that win over a Nebraska team who's going to be just as hungry. Similar situation, uh, new head coach who used the transfer portal, uh, is looking to revamp a program that once had a lot of great success and is now um, not having great success. And so both Colorado and Nebraska are in similar situations in that effect where they're trying to get back to where they once were. Um, so that's going to be a battle of who once was, if you will. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be tough. And then go to week three, Colorado State. Colorado should have no issue with them. But say they win the first two games. Okay, they're riding high. They're two zero. Um, they're feeling good. Um, they go to they have Colorado State come. Maybe they don't get as amped. You know, maybe Colorado State the the Rocky Mountain Showdown doesn't mean as much to guys that weren't initially recruited by Colorado. So they don't understand the importance of the in-state rival. I'm sure coach prime would never let that happen, but this is just a hypothetical um, coach prime is always may he's made it very clear that he tries to hammer down what's important and what's not. And so, but maybe the, the players, they're all 19, 20 something year olds. Maybe they just aren't as up for a game against Colorado state. Like the first two weeks are going to be marquee matchups, uh, pr- prime time game slots. If I had to guess, so maybe I'm not saying they stumble a little bit, but maybe they're a little, maybe they feed, um, they experience their first trap game or their first whoops. We need to, we need to start right away game. And so I think that could be it. Um, the reason I didn't pick Oregon, USC and Arizona state is because while I do think those games may be more difficult on the field, I think the buzz around them won't be the same as the buzz that they will be getting the first three weeks. And that's why I kind of went with the first three weeks of Colorado schedule um, at TCU, Nebraska, Colorado state. I just think the, the amount of attention on the first two weeks kind of surpasses any other 
uh, storyline within that first month and a half of games, just because it's going to be Coach Prime's first game. It's going to be Coach Prime's first home game. And I just think that everybody's going to be dialed into that. And so that's why I think the added pressure kind of puts them over the edge. But that next four weeks, four through six, there's definitely going to be a tough stretch as well. Um, what I want to do before we move on is thank you guys for making Locked on Bus your first listen. Um, if you're looking for a delicious snack, but you want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. It's built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built bars and built puffs. Built bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't think they're good for you, but you got to try them. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. And that's what's even better is they're healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at built.com that's right head to your nearest walmart today walk to the pharmacy section grab yourself a box of built bars you can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream double chocolate bar or coconut puff every close to sam's club run in and grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors brownie but brownie batter puff and churro puff you can thank me later march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go get your healthy snacks over there. Okay. We just talked about what I think will be the toughest three-game stretch on the season for Colorado because I think, and even in terms of bowl games too, I think Colorado has bowl game aspirations, and if not beyond, based on how people are betting, um, I think getting off to a hot start can kind of help them the rest of the way. And so that's another reason as well that I forgot to mention. But I saw on Twitter, the Twitterverse, if you will, um, in which I talked about Mel Tucker being on the hot seat uh, probably last week, yeah, because we're only two, three days into this week. Mel Tucker is on the hot seat at Michigan State. He lost his quarterback. He lost his top receiver. Um, at one point, he did lose one of his better defensive backs, but I believe he re or um, took his name out of the portal. Um, he was spotted at the – and you guys, as you know, are still very – not upset because obviously I think Coach Prime is infinite, infinitely better higher than Mel Tucker ever could have been. Um just in terms of attention he brings, appeal, swagger, and the culture. Um, I think that was the biggest difference that Brian Howell noticed, yet noticed yesterday on yesterday's episode. He explained to me was the culture. Um, I don't think Mel Tucker had that culture. And to each their own, he's now in East Lansing, um, possibly coaching for his job. So I guess we'll find out if he made the right decision to leave after the one year. But I noticed some Colorado fans on Twitter were getting upset because he was spotted at the Denver Nuggets games with um, Suns owner Matt Abisha, Abisha, I believe his name is. I don't know how to say it. Um, former Michigan State basketball player, current Suns owner, um, who he's the guy responsible for coming in and trading for Kevin Durant. Um, they were spotted sitting courtside together, and Colorado fans went into a frenzy about why is he here and why is he here now. 
returning to Denver, how dare he? Obviously, Denver's not Boulder, but we all get the thing. I honestly think, and this probably isn't that too much of a hot take. I feel like we could all come to this conclusion. Mel Tucker probably would not want to set set foot in Colorado again if if the program wasn't in such good shape as it is now. Obviously, if it was during the Carl Durrell tenure, I don't know if he's openly sitting courtside at Denver Nuggets games to hang out with a old buddy of his or an old Michigan State donor who happened to donate a ton for his extension. Um, but now Colorado has Coach Prime. They're trending in all the right directions. And so he probably feels, you know, maybe it's not as bad to to be here at the at the game. But Mel Tucker, if you look him up, if you type in Mel Tucker hot seat, because that has kind of been the trending t- trending topic. Um, there's a few few articles right away, just Mel Tucker in danger of being on the hot seat. Mike Farrell wrote about him a while back saying, let me let me break it down for you. Uh, he wrote a, he provided a list of five coaches that were going to be in danger of being on the hot seat this next season. Um, and this is exactly what he said. $95 million buys you a lot of expectations, and the Spartans coach did not live up to them this year. And while he's going to go for more quick fixes in the portal, that's proven to be a true gamble. Good point. Um, I think in terms of Mel Tucker, he hit really well that first year, and then that second year he did not hit so well. And so obviously in Colorado State, or in Colorado State, in Michigan State's eyes, they're paying him a lot of money, and they need him to do a lot better. And so he is not living up to their standards and so it could be a tough year for i like the nickname nickname midnight mel and i think i always see the tweet because people i'm surprised he hasn't deleted it i personally would have deleted it where he says i appreciate the offer from michigan state but i'm going to be the head coach of colorado and then all of a sudden it's like boom hours later he's on a flight to east lansing and michigan state gear to, to take the to take the head coaching job there I, I was truly shocked when that happened um Michigan State clearly saw something in his one five and seven season that made them think he could be the guy to take them to the next level and replace uh, Mark D'Antonio. But I guess we'll just continue to have to wait and see on Midnight Mel. But I do think it was interesting that he's now confident enough to kind of show his face. I won't say show his face because that sounds like sounds like Denver's like the mob territory. I'm just saying it's it's interesting that he's okay with being back in Colorado after the way he left because I think the way he left was a little not the way I would have tried to got about it. I think I I think if if Michigan State was pushing for for him as hard as they seem to be, I don't think I would have tweeted a public statement. Um I think the statement was to kind of silence the doubters or maybe it was trying to negotiate himself more money, but I think I would have just left it off the off the Twitterverse before I started making these claims so that way people didn't get a sense of hope because at the end of the day obviously fans they they matter, but at the end of the day, they don't matter in the terms of what coaches do. Coaches are always going to do what's best for them. Same with the players. They have to do what's best for them, which I totally get. Um, but I don't know if I would have kind of given that false sense of security. But, hey, that's Midnight Mel, and that's Michigan State's guys. So we'll have to see how that goes as time go, as time moves on. Um, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Bus your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Everydayers, that's what I call my everyday listeners. Let me know if you're down there in the comments. Let me Give me a little shout like I'm an everydayer. I appreciate you. Um, let me know what you want me to talk about, who you want me to have on. Um, I would love to uh, get some more feedback from you guys as to what maybe a question and answer mailbag type thing about the upcoming season. Um, 
anything. Let's just let's get the comment section flowing with some questions or just let me know if you're an everydayer because I appreciate you and I don't want you guys to go anywhere. Um, but now, since we've talked about Coach Prime and their three toughest weeks of Colorado football this upcoming season, I talked about Midnight Mel and his return to Colorado, kind of. Now I'm going to talk about the transfer portal. Um, Colorado's been in the mix. Um, let's flip a coin real quick. What do you guys you guys want to talk about? The positives first or the positive slash negative? It's not really a negative, but it could be. Um, we'll go with the positives first. I feel like we're a positive bunch over here in Boulder. Um, the Buffs landed three more defense line transfers. Um, they, they were all landed within the past, I guess, two days uh, ago. Um, and again, bolstering up uh, what was one of the weaker units at the spring game. I think they had five, maybe four scholarship defense linemen available. And so now they're just going defensive line, defensive line, defensive line, and they're, they're getting big bodies. Uh, I can tell you that uh, I wrote about it over at Athlon. I said in the past couple days, the bus have brought in three more defensive line transfers headlined by Missouri's Arden Walker. The bus currently hold the number one transfer class in the portal and in college football the number one transfer portal class in college football, excuse me. And Sanders has made headlines for way the ways he, which he's freed up roster spots. Oh, well, who cares about that? And the month of May alone, the bus have now landed 11 transfers. So they're averaging like almost two transfers a day. It feels like um, 11 transfers in 10 days for them being a players across the defensive line. So they're bolstering the trenches um, up first. The first one to commit was JJ Hawkins, um, former three-star uh, Ole Miss, uh, defensive lineman. He had one tackle in a sack last year as a, a redshirt freshman. Um, he comes in obviously with multiple years of eligibility, kind of an investment for Colorado, um, big, big body SEC guy. Um, he has a lot to offer in terms of depth. I don't know if he'll start right away, but he provides a nice depth piece. And the more depth, the better, because again, you have to be able to rotate guys. And if guys aren't playable, then there's no point in having them. Um, I think JJ Hawkins can carve out a nice depth role for himself. And then parlay that into a starting role as the years go on um then we have zach blackwood an edge out of garden city community college um former bounce back of northern arizona if you don't know what a bounce back is it's a guy who goes d1 has to go to a a junior college and then comes back to the division one level that's what a bounce back is if you ever hear me or someone else use that phrase now you know um this past season at garden city he had 42 tackles three and a half sacks and six tackles for a loss um Another edge rusher. I think they're really focusing on guys that can rush the passer. Pass passer. They got Savelle Smalls, um, Derek McClendon. They have. They're hitting the the edge rushers really hard. And I think one, they want someone who could get to the quarterback. They have Jordan Dominic. They need a compliment to him, um, who's a proven pass rusher. He did it at Arkansas, which the SEC is the toughest level of college football. I think he could. We would all agree on. Um, he's proven there, and so I think he should have no issues rushing the passer at Colorado. Um, in the Pac-12, and I do think that they need someone to compliment him and someone to kind of maybe take the attention off of him because I think a lot of offensives are going to key in on him. And I had I was asked a great question the other day. Um, I wish I remembered who asked it, but the question was, how are people going to scout this Colorado team since there's so many new faces? And obviously we haven't really seen Deion Sanders coach or Coach Prime coach at this level. Um, that was the question. And they're just going to have to go off of, for offense, they're going to have to go off some of the spring game, but I don't know if we learn a lot. But Sean Lewis' time at Kent State, and then defensively, what the guys at Alabama do. And so Alabama, because uh, that's where Charles Kelly hails from, uh, 
they had Will Anderson and Dallas Turner on one on one side and the other. Um, so I would imagine that Jordan Dominic will play the Will Anderson role. And so that means we need our Dallas Turner. Um, there's nothing wrong with Dallas Turner, but Will Anderson kind of stole the shine the past few years. And now this year's Dallas Turner's year at Alabama. But either way, um, they need someone to be the yin to his yang, the Batman to his Robin, or the Robin to his Batman, whatever it may be. And so I think by getting so many edge rushers, they're kind of giving themselves better chances to land someone. Uh, or get someone who could be productive for them. Um, like I said, I think they need to hit on 60-ish percent of these transfers. Um, otherwise, they, they'll struggle. If they hit on 60 or 60 percent or more, Colorado could be bowling um, this upcoming season. So that's exciting. Um, moving on to the final one, Arden Walker, Edge, Missouri. Uh, he had six tackles last year. Um, another big-bodied SEC guy who didn't get to play much. I think me and Brian talked about it yesterday – Coach Prime is taking a lot of chances on guys who haven't played a lot, but that means they should be hungrier because they're going to have an opportunity to play. Maybe they won't be buried on the depth chart here at Colorado like they were at previous schools. And so opportunity provides a chance to to excel and stand out. And so all these guys want to make it to the NFL, or most likely, I would assume. And the best way to do that is to stand out. And so Coach Prime is giving these guys a chance to do so, um, and it's going to be interesting. I think the defense line is looking a lot better. Um, I'm very excited because I do think that was one of the bigger concerns I had. Um, but now they're, they're getting some depth, and it's really good. So let's talk about a transfer portal update um, on Alton McCaskill. He was one of my five transfers, or ten. I think I ended up doing ten because I just got so carried away. Ten transfers that Colorado needs to land in order to help become bowl eligible this next season. He's a running back out of Houston. A um, little scouting on him by 24-7. McCaskill is a top running back in the spring window with a 91 overall grade and could be bumped higher. As a freshman, he showed big-time production and earned Rookie of the Year in the AAC, American Athletic Conference. He's got the size, strength, and power, and deceptive speed. Really love his balance, strength, and contact, and inside efficiency. He presses the hole and brings an aggressive style. Plays like a grown man as a true freshman in 2021 before being injured in 2022. If he's back to 100% healthy, he could be the all-conference player at the Power 5 level. Um, in his lone year where he played, Rush for 961 yards, five yards per carry, 16 touchdowns in 14 games, and added 21 catches for 113 yards and two touchdown um, catches. A little update about him transfer portal-wise. He was viewed as a Colorado lock, but now um, Florida's in the mix, which is kind of worrying some people because he had a Florida visit. Um, so I guess we'll kind of just have to wait and see what happens um, between Florida and Colorado. So I think, and he's someone who I think if he took or if he committed to Colorado, he'd probably be the starting running back right away. And the committee, cause I think right now they have a running back by committee, which is fine. But I think he'd kind of be that work, that cowbell running back where he, it's like, give him 20 carries and distribute the other 20 among the three, three other guys and they'll find their spots and I think that would be really great for Colorado's offense. Um, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, obviously, he does still hold a Colorado crystal ball from Chris Hummer from 24-7 Sports. Um, so the Buffs still seem to be the favorite. But Chris Hummer did say he's not as confident as he once was. So Coach Prime and company have some closing to do to land what might be one of their signature transfers of this uh, spring portal portal period. Um would be a huge addition. I think he would take the offense to a whole nother level. Sean Lewis, despite the fact that he loves throwing the ball, he also loves running the ball. And I think he would give him another weapon to kind of open up the passing game as well. Um, 
so yeah i'll keep you guys updated on that you guys can go check me out over on athlon check me out on twitter where i have all my updates about everything colorado that you guys need to know um i appreciate you guys for making lockdown buster first listen every day thank you